I want to thank you for listening today. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so and feel free to rate and review us as well. If you live nearby and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come visit us here at Fellowship Bible Church in Jacksonville, Texas. You can connect with us by calling or texting CONNECT to 903-586-6520. If you would like to support the ministry here at Fellowship Bible Church, we would greatly appreciate that as well. To give one time or on a regular basis, you can text GIVE to 903 903- 586-6520. If you live a ways away, we hope you would find a good Bible-believing and preaching church in your area to join and serve in and support. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. Who deserves praise when a sports team wins a championship? Or when a student makes an A on a test? Or when students graduate from high school? What about someone who turns from their sin, places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Who deserves the praise when someone faithfully lives their life for the Lord? While it is not wrong to praise someone for the success they have received in life and encourage them, for their faithfulness to the Lord, we are going to learn this morning that all glory, honor, and praise ultimately belongs to the Lord. We are continuing our study through the book of Judges, and today we're looking at chapters 4 and 5. In these chapters, we will see God's people fall into sin once again, and while God will will punish them, He will also save them through some unlikely people, through two women. In our story today, we will see God work in such a way to show that all glory, honor, and praise belongs to Him. Judges chapter 4. We're going to cover two chapters this morning. Strap on your seatbelt, right? I hope you have, have had your coffee. There will be a lot of reading this morning. We have never covered this much ground on Sunday morning, at least with me. Not sure if we'll do it again. We'll see how it goes, okay? But I really believe that these two chapters are meant to be viewed side by side. And I want to read every verse of this book with you, okay? So that by the end of our study through Judges, we will have read the entire book together and studied it in depth, okay? Today we're going to be studying the narrative of God delivering His people from the wicked Canaanites through Deborah and Barak and an obscure woman named Jael in Judges chapter 4. And beside that, we're also going to be studying Deborah and Barak's song of praise to the Lord in Judges chapter 5 that emphasizes God's victory over His enemies and the need to give God glory above everyone and everything else. All glory, honor, and praise belong to the Lord. I pray you see that this morning. Several points I want you to see here that show us that. Point number one, glory, honor, and praise belong to the Lord because 
He punishes sinners and rescues those who cry out to him. Look at Judges chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. How many of you are already tired of hearing that? How many of you are thinking when you hear and Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, you're thinking to yourself, again? Why can't these guys get it together? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you are frustrated with these patterns in your own life? How many of you are saying to yourself, again? Again, Lord, help me. Can I suggest to you that in addition to understanding what is going on contextually, this is how we need to read this text personally. Verse 2, And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hegoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. So after the death of Ehud, remember that great left-handed assassin, that great deliverer of God's people from the Moabites, Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord punished them by allowing them to be enslaved by the wicked king Jabin. He was king of Canaan. Now, Jabin, while wicked, is not the focus here in this story. Really, Sisera is. He's the great enemy of this story. He is Jabin's right-hand man who did his bidding. Sisera is the commander of Jabin's army. So we've got two wicked rulers and a powerful army. It sure does seem as if the odds are stacked greatly against God's people. But we will see in this text, like we saw in last week's text, that the Lord is in control. And He is the one using His people's enemies as instruments for His judgment. We learn in this text that because Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, it is the Lord who sold His people into the hand of Jabin. We see God work in this way again and again and again throughout the book of Judges. It is the Lord who punishes his people through their enemies and the Lord who saves his people from their enemies. God is in complete control. It doesn't matter how strong one is. It doesn't matter how evil one is. It doesn't matter how weak one is. The lives of God's people and the lives of God's enemies are all in God's hands. For that reason, our lives should be lived for Him. Notice he oppressed his people Israel through Jabin's army led by the wicked Sisera for 20 years. The punishment of God's people is becoming more and more severe with each offense. Do you see that? The punishment of sin becomes more and more severe as the book of Judges continues on, which should serve as a warning for us. There is coming a day in the future that mankind has never experienced before. It is sometimes referred to as the great and terrible day 
of the Lord when God's judgment will be poured out in full and it will continue forever. We are told God's enemies will drink of the wine of the wrath of God without mixture poured out in full strength. What is to be our response when considering this this great and final day of God's judgment? We must repent now, right? Repent of sin and turn in faith towards God's Son. These stories of judgment are God's mercy. I pray that you see that. These past acts of judgment, they remind us that a a future and final day of judgment is coming. So we must be be ready. We are to respond by crying out to the only one who can save us. We are to latch on in faith to our only way of escape, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to live our lives for the Lord and for His glory. In verse 3, we are told that God's people cry out to Him. Good response, right? And for the next two chapters, we are told how God saves His people from these two wicked rulers and a powerful army in the most unlikely of ways. And this leads us to point number two. Look at it. Glory and honor and praise belong to the Lord because He uses unlikely people to accomplish His purposes. Look at verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah. This was her tree, place she could be found. Between Ramah and Bethel, in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. So here we are introduced to Deborah. We're told she was a prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth. We don't know much about Lipidoth, but we do know that Here, Deborah was a wife, okay? We're told she was judging Israel at the time. People knew where she could be found. They came to her with their problems. She knew God's word. She received revelation from God, knew how to use God's word to enrich the lives of those around her. Do you know God's word in that way? Do you know God's word and do you know how to skillfully use it to enrich the lives of of those around you. This is why you need to spend time daily in the Word. That's why you need to be coming here. We are here to to get equipped to think rightly about the Word so that we can live rightly for God and so that we can pour into others and enrich the lives of those around us. Deborah is referred to in, in Judges 5 as the mother of Israel. She was like a mother to her people. How many of you had a mother like that that you could go to growing up and she would impart wisdom to you and enrich your life? That's that's Deborah in a spiritual sense. Folks, this is, is unique. We said last week that while Ehud stood out for being a left handed judge, Deborah sticks out for being a female judge. This is the first time in Scripture we have someone like Deborah, and the the only time in the book of Judges we have someone like her. First time someone like Deborah shows up is in Judges. This chapter is unique because we have two women used by God for His redemptive purposes. God uses men and women in His gospel story for His redemptive purposes. Amen? We see that here. In Judges 4, the 
The author of Judges is showing us how unlikely these judges are to highlight the fact that he is the one fighting for his people and he deserves all the credit for it. This is one of the important lessons in this passage. The glory belongs to the Lord because he uses unlikely people to accomplish his eternal purposes. Believers, that's good news for you and me because that's who we are. It is. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling as if you're not qualified to lead. Maybe you've said to yourself at one time or another, I know God wants to use believers for his purposes, but God could never use me. I have nothing to offer. I'm average at best. I'm insignificant and ordinary. Here's the good news for you. If you're thinking in this way, if you feel this way, unqualified, insignificant, and ordinary, I learned from Scripture, and you should as well, that you're the very type of person that God delights in using. And get this, the opposite is also true. If your mentality is, here I am, God, to your rescue. I'm here to improve upon your kingdom work with my giftedness. If you come with your religious resume in hand and think that God would be fortunate to have you on the team, you are the least likely of people to be used by God. We learn in Scripture that godly leaders are often unlikely people. We see that throughout the book of Judges. While Othniel looked apart, he still died, right? And those who were under his leadership turned away from the Lord once again. Ehud was a left-handed Benjaminite, and Deborah, while she possessed divine revelation and provided godly wisdom and direction, she lacked the military skills to deliver the military might to deliver God's people against the wicked Sesera and 900 chariots of iron. That's why she seeks Barak for help. God sends her to him, which leads us to our next point. Glory and honor and praise belong to the Lord because he saves sinners by his word and through his strength. Look at verse 6. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh, Naphtali, and said to him, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. So we, we said in the previous point that Deborah knew the word of the Lord. She, she knew that God desired to save his people. She knew she needed help to do this work. She also knew that it was in God's plan to use a man named Barak to accomplish this work. In Judges chapter 4, verse 6, she goes and finds Barak, tells him of the Lord's plan of using him to save his people from the wicked Canaanites. She also reveals to him the plan of how he will defeat them. So she knows the military plan as well because she knows God's word. Here's the plan, verse 7. Deborah says, And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon, with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. So notice here, Deborah knows the word of God, and she reveals that plan to Barak. She tells him, I will go and draw out the mighty Sisera and his army. I will deliver him into your hand. What's Barak's response? Look at it, verses 8 and 9. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. 
But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Now, some view this as a cowardly move by Barak. And they argued the reason uh, God used Deborah is that Barak refused to go without her. I don't believe that's what we have here, given what we're given. Listen. Barak wants Deborah to go with him because he knows she's a godly woman who speaks the word of God. God has revealed things to her that are helpful for him in order to be victorious. Listen, for people to be saved, they need to know the plan of salvation from people who know the word of God. Barak knows that Deborah knows the plan of salvation. She knows the plan of rescue, and Deborah knows that, that Barak has been given the strength from God to bring salvation to God's people. God uses Deborah's plan, which is his plan, and his mighty man, Barak, to save his people. Now, follow me here. Do you know what we need to be saved from sin and death? We need the word of God, and we need the strength of God. God has given us His Word so that we can know the work of His Son that He accomplished to save us. He has also given us His Spirit who works through His Word, bringing understanding to our minds and convictions and beliefs to our hearts. The Holy Spirit applies Christ's work to our lives so we can be saved. Were it not for the Word of God, we would not know how to be saved. Were it not for the Son of God, we would not have a way to be saved. And were it not for the Spirit of God, we would not possess the power to be saved. The glory belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone for our salvation. He is the one who saves us by His Word and in His own strength. Next point. There's a lot here, isn't there? Glory and honor and praise belong to the Lord because He punishes His enemies and saves His people. In verses 9 and 10 of Judges 4, Deborah tells Barak that he will defeat Sisera's army, but he will not kill Sisera. Very important for you to get that. Barak, you're going to defeat Sisera's army, but Sisera is not going to die at your hands. Notice what she tells him. Nevertheless, the road on which you're going will not lead to your glory, Barak. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Sisera will not die at the hands of God's man, Barak. He will die at the hand of a woman. Now you would think here that the woman to kill Sisera would be Deborah, right? She's the only woman we know of at this point in the story. The shocking plot point, there's a couple of them. One shocking plot point is that Barak's going to defeat Sisera's army, but he's not going to kill Sisera. A woman is. Another shocking plot point is that woman is not Deborah. It's getting interesting. Why does God work in this way? He says, your glory will not be your own, Sisera, right? He works in this way so he receives all the glory and honor and praise 
for delivering his people. Deborah tells Barak, the road on which you're going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will deliver Sisera over into the hand of a woman who will end his life. The Lord is going to receive the glory here, not Barak. That's the way he works, right? Verse 9. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite had separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Zananim, which is near Kadesh. Now I know that seems sort of out of place there and random, but it's not. You need to remember that detail. Details are important, right? We've talked about that. The detail of this family setting up camp in this region, it seems random and out of place, but it's not. Nothing is in God's story of redemption, right? It's providential. But remember that. File that away. We'll come back to it. Keep reading. Verse 12. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him from Herosheth Goyim to the river Kishon. Just as God said through Deborah, he did. Sisera will be drawn out, he says. God doesn't make mistakes. He keeps his word always. If he has said it, you can bank on it. This is what Deborah said would happen. This is what's happening. When Deborah sees this development, she lets Barak know about it, right? He needs her there. She knows God's word, right? Verse 14. Up, she says, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? Okay, the Lord's working here, right? Barak has Deborah there to instruct him on the proper time to strike his enemies. We need God's guidance as well, right? Through his word, we need his strength for rescue. Verse 15, so Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. This is a collective effort here by the armies of Israel. Now, they don't all respond, which is typical of people, right? God is faithful. He's faithful always. Men, by the grace of God, are sometimes faithful, but not all men are faithful, all right? We see that in Scripture. In verses 11 through through 18 of Judges 5, skip over there, 11 through 18 of Judges 5, in Deborah and Barak's song, they recite the role of each Israelite warrior. Let's look at it. Judges 5, let's look at verses 11 through 15 first. Then down to the gates marched the people of the Lord. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake. Break out in a song. Arise, Barak. Lead away your captives, O son of Abinoam. Then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of the Lord marched down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim, their root, they marched down into the valley. Following you, Benjamin with your kinsmen. From Machir, marched down the commanders. And from Zebulun, those who bear the lieutenant's staff. The princes of Issachar came with Deborah and Issachar, faithful to Barak, into the valley. They rushed at his hills. Positive response here, right? These are those, they believed the Lord, they fought 
for His people, with His people, against God's enemies, and the Lord fought with them. When you obey the simple commands of God, we experience blessings on the road to obedience, right? We learn that again and again in Judges. They had success, not because they were stronger, because they were obedient. God does not call for you to be successful. He calls for you to be faithful. Skip down to verse 18. Let's look at 18 through 22 of Judges 5. Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to the death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. The kings came, they fought. They fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They got no spoils of silver. From heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. Then loud beat the horse's hooves with galloping, galloping of his steeds. Good response again from Zebulun and Naphtali. Many of God's people believed God and they fought valiantly. There were, however, there always are, Many clans who did the opposite. Look at verses 15 through 17 of Judges 5. Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Why did you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. They're thinking about it, but they don't go. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by his landings. So we learn that while some clans came, put their life on the, on the line for God's people, trusted God, there were others who stayed put. God still brought victory against Sisera's mighty army, right? Listen, God doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need any of us. Remember, he sent an angel to kill 185,000. He doesn't need us. He didn't need them. But he used those who came, and he cursed those who did not. Skip down to verse 23 of Judges 5. Curse Meraz, says the angel of the Lord. Curse his inhabitants thoroughly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. There are blessings on the road to obedience, right? There are also cursings for those who are disobedient. We don't know who the people of Miraz are. This is their only mention in Scripture. How would you like your only line about you in Scripture to be negative? I would rather not be mentioned, right? Again, the Lord still brought His people a great victory. God doesn't need you or me for victory, but will work in and through our obedience to bring it. So let's be faithful. Return now to Judges 4. And look at verse 15. And Barak routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army. Is that what it says? Say no. The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and he fled away on foot. That mighty warrior took off running like a spineless coward. Now, did that take God by surprise? Say no. 
Deborah has already told Barak that would happen. So Barak leaves him in God's hands. Look at verse 16. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Herosheth Egoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. All but Sisera fell there. Where does Sisera go? He goes to the tent of this Kenite family that we mentioned earlier in the text who have set up camp in this seemingly random yet providentially placed location. Details are important. Sisera thinks he's going to escape death, but what he is doing is he is running straight for it. While he escapes Barak's Barak's army, he will not escape Barak's God. Amen? Look at verse 17. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. He felt as if he was safe there because we're told there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. He thinks he's safe. Verse 18, And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside, do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent. And she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the opening of the tent. And if any man comes and asks you, is there anyone here, say no. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove that tent peg through his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness and we hardly need the next three words. So he died. Yikes, right? Gruesome end to this great and terrible leader. Verse 22. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and, and, and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went in to her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. Deborah's words, which are God's words, are true. And Barak witnesses that. He did die at the hands of a woman, but not Deborah, Jael. In chapter 5, we have the response of Deborah and Barak to Jael. Listen to their praise of this woman and ultimately God who delivered this wicked general into her hands. Judges chapter 5, beginning in verse 24. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of tent-dwelling women most blessed. He, Sisera, asked for water and she gave him milk. She brought him Curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank, he fell, he he lay still. Between her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. What a song. Maybe we need to put that to music and sing on Sunday morning. Y'all for that? Okay. Miles, you can work on that, all right? (laughs) God did this. God did this. 
He used this, this stay-at-home wife, this non-Israelite, tent-dwelling woman skilled with a mallet and a tent peg to kill the mighty Sisera. Why? To show that he is God and to show that vengeance is his. To show that he is in control. To show there is no escaping his judgment. No one will. No one who's unrepentant, right? And unchanged. God works providentially to bring judgment on his enemies and to redeem his people. The author of Judges tells us as much. Back up in Judges 4, pick up reading in verse 23. 23 and 24 of Judges 4. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel, and the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, the king of Canaan. God lured this army into the hand of Brock, and God lured Sisera, general of this army, into the hands of this tent-dwelling woman named Jael to show his strength over his enemies. And after that... He graciously gives his people rest once again. Skip all the way down to Judges 5.31. Last line there. And the land had rest for 40 years. This is an act of amazing grace that, that, that God does here for his people and also an act of judgment against his enemies. Folks, the payment for our sin is what? It's death, right? We learned that in in Romans 6. Sisera was a wicked ruler. He died a painful and shameful death. In verse 28 of Judges 5, the two saviors of Israel, Deborah and Barak, describe what it must have been like for Sisera's mother to await for her son to return only to learn of his gruesome fate. Look at it with me. Verse 28 of Judges 5. Out of the window she peered. The mother of Sisera wailed through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarried the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princes answer. Indeed, she answers herself. Have they not found and divided the spoil, a womb or two for every man? Spoil of dyed materials for Sisera, spoil of dyed materials embroidered, two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil. So this fictional depiction here is of Sisera's wicked mother waiting the return of her wicked son. Normally he would return home with the spoils from war, including enslaved women that he used and abused. This time, Sisera does not return because he has fallen prey to a woman. Because of his sins of kidnapping and enslavement and sexual abuse, how fitting is it for God to repay Sisera by delivering him to die at the hands of a woman in an extremely violent way? God is a God of vengeance. We see it in Scripture. Judges 5.31, Deborah and Barak express a desire for all God's enemies like Sisera to be defeated in this way while the faithful are victorious. Look at Judges 5.31. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. Glory 
and honor and praise belong to the Lord because He punishes His enemies and He saves His people. That truth is the reason for the song in Judges 5. We're going to end quickly by looking at the first 10 verses. Deborah and Barak praised the Lord as the true victor in battle and the one deserving of all the praise. Have you given God all the glory and the honor and the praise for rescuing you from sin and death? When's the last time you took time to do that, to praise God for the salvation that you have experienced? Deborah and Barak do here. Look at Judges chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly. Bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. To the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. They are praising God for His great work of redemption and deliverance through His faithful leaders. They are remembering His work of leading them into the land of promise and of His work of caring for them through the defeat of their enemies. Verse 4. Lord, you went out from Sire when you marched from the region of Edom. The earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord. Even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and the travelers kept to the byways. The same God who led them out of Egyptian bondage and to Sinai through Moses, the same God who led them into the land of promise through Joshua is leading them now, and He is the God who is leading us now, believers. While they were leaderless for a time after the death of Joshua, God continued to fight for His people. Even though they failed to listen to God and failed to obey Him and drive their enemies out, which made the land that God promised them unsafe, the Lord fought for His people through unlikely and non-Israelite saviors like Shamgar and Jael. He used broken saviors and worked both providentially and miraculously to deliver His People, Because God's people were in need of godly leaders, God raised up judges like Deborah. Look at verse 7. Deborah says, The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel, my heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. So when times grew dark for God's people, when they were heavily influenced by the godless culture surrounding them, God raised up Deborah to mother Israel, and he raised up commanders who put their lives on the line for the sake of Israel. Deborah praised the Lord for how he used her for the sake of his people. She also calls for God's people to praise the Lord, right, and to tell of his amazing grace and work of salvation to others. In verse 10, she says, tell of it. You who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, you walk by the way to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat, 
the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. We have said before that God's people Israel had a short-term memory. They did. They, they quickly forgot the Lord. They quickly turned away from him. They had no doubt heard of his great work of deliverance, but they had stopped acting upon what they knew. Deborah and Barak are pleading with God's people Israel here to not make this same mistake, but to tell of God's saving work, to tell of the triumphs of the Lord. Remember the works of the Lord. Tell of God's triumphs to others. Are you faithfully doing that? Are you spending time in the Word, reminding yourselves of the great works of the Lord, and are you telling them to others? To close this morning, I'm going to do just that. I want to end by reminding you of one of God's greatest triumphs. While we are sinners set against God, God sent His Son to save us. Jesus came and destroyed an enemy for us. He conquered death and hell for us. He destroyed the works of the devil for us, not by piercing another, but by allowing Himself to be pierced for us. Amen? He laid his own life down. He conquered death with death. He destroyed the works of the devil through his life and death and resurrection in order to save us. In our story today, we learn that God saved his people through the death of their enemy. Get this, in God's gospel story, we learn that God saves his enemies through the death of his son. Are you trusting and God's Son alone for your salvation today. If not, I invite you to forsake your sin. Bow the knee to King Jesus today. Give your life up and over to Him and be saved. Let's pray together.